Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by your Young Professional Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis from Include Software, Luke Melangrano from Mariani Landscape, Neil Glatt with Grow the Bench, and Macy Wallenberg Robinson with Landcare. <laughs> right, she got married. The, the, the name changed, the, uh, the script. Wow, that was a save, guys. Anyways, how's uh, it going? I don't know if it was a save, save, but it, it was uh, It was uh, smooth. <laughs> yeah, you it's know, hyphenated in this episode. We're, 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 we're appreciating where she came from, but also where she's gone now. So, you know, like the whole thing. I'm, I'm being progressive, so it's good. Anyways, um, we have a guest uh, who wants to do the introduction. Yeah, I'll take care of that. Uh, so today we have Deanna Wade Thompson uh, joining us, and she has spent more than a decade leading strategic projects to enhance corporate communications and implement programs, systems, and processes that help companies achieve their financial and community engagement goals. Whether through project management or strategic communication initiatives, her work helps staff, clients, and potential funders alike better connect with the mission and values of the organization. Deanna is passionate about uh, activating compassionate partnerships and creating company cultures that drive social impact. Deanna holds a Bachelor's of Science in Public Affairs from Indiana University and a Master's of Public Administration from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Anything I missed there? Nope. Sounds good to me. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you on. Um, so tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know we just read about your bio, but um, where do you, uh, where do you come from? What, what kind of customers do you usually work with and what makes you um, the kick-ass person that it seems like you are? Right. Thank you. Thank you. So I am originally from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, born and raised there. Right now I live in Houston, Texas, and absolutely love Houston, love Texas. Um, it's a great place to be, especially right now. Um, I think there's just a lot of opportunity. So in terms of who I work with or, you know, the people I work with, generally any company, any company that's interested in making a social impact or evaluating their social programs, uh, whether that be from the DEI perspective or just community engagement or employee engagement, these are people that I work with. Um, my focus has been communications, um, where I do a lot of strategic communications, helping you develop a plan, how you communicate and share your story externally and internally as well, and also developing programs. Uh, what I've learned over the years is that Companies have, you know, really great stories. They're doing really good things in the communities. They're doing great things for their employees all the time, but they seem just to have a problem communicating it. I don't know if it's a, a, an idea of, oh, I don't want to be, come off as too boastful, or I don't want to appear like I'm doing this just for the gram, you know, but, you know, in today's day and age, it's important that you communicate, you know, any work that you're doing. Um, especially when you have these good stories to share. So working with companies to help tell those stories is is kind of what I enjoy doing most. 
Yeah, that's a, that's pretty cool. Um, I can definitely attest that experiencing that throughout my, my career is like communication is probably the one thing that people take for granted, especially at the leadership level and smaller businesses. I've only had exposure to smaller businesses, but you don't have as much bandwidth, I think, or like, or people to, to actually do the communicating. And when it feels like you're communicating, it feels like you're over communicating, but you're probably under communicating when you should be communicating more, the whole thing, getting buy-in from the teams. So, um, so, and I'm sure everyone else on like, has, has that experience. I mean, Macy, I'm working for like Landcare. What does, how do you feel like the communication is like from like your fellow branch managers or from like your like leadership team? It's good. It's weird though, being such a large company. Like I had someone on my branch meeting call this morning that I've never talked to before in Landcare, which is so odd because we still, we feel small sometimes. And so it does feel like a smaller business. Like everyone's constantly talking. Like I talk to the other branch manager in Dallas all the time. Um, you know, we implemented like a Teams kind of set up so that helps easier to chat. You're not sending these long emails or big long chain back and forth. Um, so that's been nice. But it's definitely there's always a gap. The gap between like you and like your leadership, you think? I think so. Everyone moves around so much. Um, so it just makes it hard, different time zones, um, you know, different things going on, different businesses. Like right now, it, you know, just the Northeast business, their leaves are falling like crazy. And so they're just in a different work schedule and we're in a lull right now. Mm. Like we're in a period. Um, so people's minds are just running at different paces. Um, so, but the team's aspect has really helped a lot. It definitely makes it easier um, to communicate for sure. Cool. So Deanna, so tell what, so what are like common issues that you like run across? Um, I'm assuming you work across like a whole bunch of different companies. So like, what are like some things that you see that are kind of like block and tackle stuff that we can kind of talk about and like what are some good solutions that you've worked through? Yeah, so I really, I think you just raised a good point um, about bandwidth. I think that's a, a, a major issue with companies that are small. So with some of the smaller companies that I run into um, and end up working with, it's an issue of, you know, you already have an owner and then you have your workforce and maybe some admin. Um, and in that situation, People just don't know, you know, how am I going to juggle all the other hats that I have plus add communications to that. Um, and one of the things that I like to do is just say, you need to give your employees uh, space to participate. So even though you might have a workforce where your role technically only involves doing a certain thing, if you're able to offer your employees a space to participate, you'd find, you might find that people are really good at things you didn't know about, especially when, let's think about, you know, social media, and I hate to just be like, you know, millennials are so good, but kind of, if you have a young workforce, people who are already, you know, on Instagram, on Facebook, really TikTok, let's go with TikTok, because I know I should be better at TikTok, but I, I'm, I'm technically a little bit too old. You're fine. Okay, Macy, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not good at it. <laughs> That's all right. I feel bad. I feel bad. No, no. Yeah, I feel bad. I really want to be. I want to be part of the TikTok craze, but I just can't. I can't get into it. But 
a lot of young people really get it. And it is, it's the wave. These small, these short video clips, these 15 seconds of engagement or whatever the time frame is, that is really the next step. And that's probably how all communications are going to start looking. You know, these video short, you know, clips. So with that, I would say engage your younger workforce. I mean, you might have an employee who, especially when it comes to uh, lawn care. So my parents are on a lawn care service. So I'm very familiar with you know, their workforce. And, you know, you have those, those employees who are, who are really good at certain things and really not so good at other things. So, you know, the guy who, you know, might always be, you know, really good at like running a walk behind, but he's terrible at trimming. But he also is incredible at doing TikTok videos. It might be that part of his job you just kind of deputize him to every now and again, hey, make us a TikTok video. Once you finish doing this while so-and-so is trimming, go out and do a TikTok video on that property or like just think about different ways you can capture what we're doing so that we can use it for our social media presence. So I'm thinking, um, so that's one way, especially for a smaller company, just start engaging your employees, bring it to them in the team meeting. Hey, who can, we want to start being more active on Facebook you know, and all these other social media platforms. Who wants to help us? You'd be surprised. A lot of employees are like dying to do something else. Uh, this is where they they work eight hours a day, five to who knows how many days a week. You know, give them something that'll make their job a little more interesting. So that's, you know, one thing I'd recommend. I'd also say um, with the larger companies, it's about telling the story when they do have a communications resource or an admin or someone in the office who has the additional bandwidth. How are you actually helping that person to focus on, you know, the messages that you want to put out there? And it's not just social media. You can use your website. It could be, you know, uh, having that person make posts uh, on LinkedIn, even though that it's social media, you know, to kind of, um, you know, sharing other thought leaders' ideas around uh, CSR and kind of your, that align with your belief systems. I think that's a really good thing that you can do um, if you're a bigger organization. And then the next step I would say would be just developing your own talking points. Um, once you define your corporate culture and your commitment to CSR, thinking about ways to integrate those talking points into your daily messaging, into, you know, any type of public events you might have. You have a ribbon cutting. You have, I go to the Chamber of Commerce every week. Let me start injecting some of these values. Uh, even as a leader, you can take an opportunity to, you know, start voicing your commitment to CSR. I think I was supposed to be talking about CSR, right? Yeah. No, oh, I yeah, think yeah. that was I think that's that's great, especially because like in our industry right now, if if you're under 25 years old, you probably either really, really care about the environment in some way, shape or form, or you came to this industry because you're part of a uh, underserved labor pool, whether you didn't have the same education um, or uh, the same experience as somebody else, or um, you come from a history of uh, maybe uh, some sort of addiction or um, in formerly incarcerated where, you know, these are all populations that could be served really well as labor recruitment. And that in itself could be a CSR initiative, right? Any of those. 
And so um, I, I don't know who's in our industry under that's young enough to be hyper engaged on social channels, unless they're from one of those two pools, right? And so maybe the CSR initiative isn't really hasn't been well articulated, but it's probably really close for a lot of these companies, right? And for those who don't know what CSR is, right, is co- corporate social responsibility. Uh, resp- res- yeah, responsibility, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just wanted to throw it out there. I was like, wait, hold probably- on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I should probably take a moment and just define it the way I see it, just for your benefit. So I know it sounds big and daunting, but really corporate social responsibility is just, as an organization, how do I play or partner in the space that I work in? So how do I partner with my community that, you know, your people internally, that's the people, your customers, people that you serve? And then also, how do I partner or play in the environment that I work in? So that's speaking to Neil's point about, you know, just caring about sustainability. Um, So it's really, how am I being a thoughtful, good partner where I work? So that's how I think about CSR or corporate social responsibility. And Mm -hmm. that, if you just think about it in a very simple way, you can come up with some programs to that align with how am I being a good partner in my community? How am I being a good partner for the environment? And I, I just think uh, being a part of the green industry, we should be leaders. You all should really be leaders in this space um, because you are, you're, you're in the environment, you're doing things, you're in the green industry. So um, huge opportunity here. So Dan, you must have had people who have accused you of greenwashing when you're trying to advertise these things in communication, right? How do you manage that? What's your response when, when people say, look, and it's tough, right? Because there are real benefits, right? Like companies that have strong CSR programs are more profitable. They do attract more people, right? Um, In addition to the the good they do, but um, there's a lot of people who advertise stuff that isn't necessarily that impactful. So how do you navigate that? I think that's a great question. Um, So for everyone's benefit, greenwashing is this idea that you're just putting out a whole bunch of um, propaganda around how you're doing all these sustainable things and which may or which may be true and may not be completely true. Um, I think to avoid being accused, you'll probably be accused of greenwashing because you probably aren't going to do everything to everyone's liking, you know, all the time. But, you know, in order to ensure that you can't be accused of it or that it doesn't affect you is make sure you're telling the truth and make sure you're telling a full, authentic story. I think people that get accused of greenwashing are those that only share, you know, oh, we cut down, you know, this much in emissions, but then they forget to tell you, yeah, but we dumped like 100 million gallons of oil in the ocean. You know, you have to tell the whole story. You have to make sure you're sharing what people, the good things that you want to hear and then the opportunities. So I would just say if you tell the full story, let people know, hey, we have a lot of great things happening. We are doing this, this, and that. Let your employees know let your customers know, let the public know, and then also own those things where you, you do need some work. Yeah. And I'll just chip in, put it in your job postings too. 
because the experiments that have been done on this show, you can get a 28% increase in applicant response if you have CSR initiatives in your job postings, which is basically the same as a $4 raise for front level people, which is crazy, right? So. So, um, so you kind of played on this a little bit, but there's this idea of like communicating externally, environmentally, like com communicate external, like how you interact with your environment, but also like, how do we interact with our internal teams? Right. So, um, so a lot of these, I think CRSR initiatives can come like very top down. Um, like the, the, the company leaders get together and like the boardroom or like, you know, it's like, yeah, we're going to put this together. Then they say, okay, this is it. Um, what's your, what's your experience around those kind of, um, situations or where do you think, where do you see like CSR initiatives, like actually take root, um, inside a company? Cause like, I think in order for it to work externally, the company as a whole has to believe in it. Right. Agreed. So, um, I think they can work both ways. You have the top-down approach, you have the bottom, bottom up approach, um, or the grassroots approach. Um, I feel like you can work both ways and it can work in tandem. I've seen it work both ways. Um, the top-down approach I think is good, um, especially depending on the size of your organization. Um, it might be a situation, what I've learned with larger companies is you have to, from the top down, set the vision and direction. Now, when it comes to the exact programs and ways people participate, that's something that you want to get buy-in from at a different level. But setting the vision always has to start at the top. And that should probably apply actually to all organizations. Um, now the grassroots approach, what's really good about this is if you're a, you know, you're an employer who hasn't had a chance to really think about what types of CSR initiatives you'd like to do, and you have a group of motivated employees who recognize an opportunity, oh, hey, the school down the street could really use some landscaping. And I've noticed that, you know, it, it looks terrible. Can we do something, maybe volunteer on Saturday and plant some flowers? you have an employee or motivated employees that bring you opportunities like this, capitalize on them, especially if you know you can make them make sense. Um, I think both approaches work, they work well, but I think what you're getting at, Miles, is how do you get that buy-in? How do you get people within the organization to really latch on to what you're doing? And I think either way, whether you air quote mandate it or allow it to bubble up, you have you can still cultivate that sense of buy-in by letting people be in charge of how they actually execute on those values of the organization when it comes to CSR. Yeah, that's I like that. Um, I'm just thinking back to like my experience, and um, when I was actually working with my working with my dad, uh, there was this local park that had a veterans memorial, um, and uh, so the company, the, so there's like a huge volunteer effort across the community. We landscaped it, um, but then, uh, you know, it became the idea of like, who's maintaining it, right? The park wasn't going to maintain it. The, the government wasn't, um, my, my, and like, it got to the point, like, where it was, you know, expensive enough, like where it was like, well, like our, our company can't do this like weekly or, you know, um, so then what was interesting is that one of the, one of my team members when I was working stepped up and said like, Hey, we'll do this. And then he got together like 15 15 of us like the next year and we all just like every memorial day we'd plant flowers do a full renovation prune it clean it up um for before memorial day 
And now it's become like an annual thing that all the employees are really excited about, like on a Saturday morning, right? They go volunteer the time of the trucks are available to use, of course, right? But like everyone's donating their time and that's actually really successful. It's become like more of a fun event. So um, I've seen that play out in a very real way. So I'm, I'm curious, um, Luke, if you guys have anything like that in Mariani or um, like that you've had to deal with? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, Earth Day is always a big one for us. You know, we, right. yeah. um, we put it out there. We work with one of the local um, forest preserves um, or open lands, they're called in our area. And so um, <clears throat> we send... It's a volunteer. Uh, they send out an email. Whoever wants to sign up can sign up and you go there and you work for usually like two to four hours or so. And we'll clean up a section of our open lands area, um, you know, do some burning, uh, sometimes even plant trees, whatever. And it's, I mean, you know, out of our organization, we probably get 50 people every year that go to that. And then, I mean, naturally we're involved in a lot of other um, different community organization. There's one in Chicago, I think it's called the one for one Chicago. It's, uh, you know, we're working with uh, in an urban environment, uh, like teaching kids about landscaping and um, just some basic things. And we every year are, uh, we host a, um, we do a holiday shop at our facility and we have a night that's just dedicated for that. And we, you know, donate all the proceeds to to that organization. So there's, there's a lot of stuff and we have a, we have a person who's in charge of that within our, within our organization. Uh, you know, he's our creative director and he, he manages all that and he gets everybody involved and sends out the message to, to the team about, you know, what we're participating in, how everybody can help and, you know, or if they want to volunteer their time and things like that. And it's always, we always get a very good turnout with our team. So, which is, which I think is great. Neil, did you guys do anything? Um, uh, not really. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, why? My, it, why? Yeah. Um, you know, with with the snow plowing that we did, we didn't have as many opportunities for kind of ongoing maintenance. Um, we took care of the schools in our area and made sure that our rates were commensurate with their budget, as opposed to what we would normally charge to be able to kind of have a stake in the community. But I definitely wouldn't call that CSR initiative. The The biggest thing that I did is I was really big on hiring people intentionally. And we essentially got to what I would call an open hiring program, where if you were legal to work in the US and you could physically shovel, you got a job. And uh, it was kind of like a right to try. And I was very intentional about advertising our jobs to um, people in those communities. Um, some of my best employees ever were, you know, uh, were very recently in jail, were very recently struggling with addiction or in rehab programs. Um, I tried working at times over the years with actual halfway houses that were in the various state programs uh, to varying degrees of success based on the requirements and restrictions that they had. Um, but that was always a big thing for me is what's the untapped labor pool and how can I give somebody a job? And I'll just tell one story um, briefly is that, you know, there was a guy who, if you applied for me uh, as a shoveler, um, we didn't pull uh, 
any checks unless they're required by our client. So a few clients required um, background checks. Uh, obviously, with the schools, we had to we had to pull some stuff. But for the vast majority of our shovelers, we didn't look into your background at all. And um, I had a guy who worked really well for several years with us, several seasons, always came back and had ambitions to become a crew leader and then an area manager. And uh, as he got promoted and was given the keys to a truck or ready to be given the keys to a truck, we had to go into his background checks and, and you know, driver's records, which was something we hadn't previously pulled. And um, even though we tried to be really uh, lax on things, I got a call from my HR manager, like, do you know what this guy's background is? And I'm like, I have no idea. And I came to our office and it was a really thick background report and a really thick driver record. And uh, there were a lot of very valid concerns over um, what was in these reports and the liability that we'd be exposed to as a company. But I'm like, listen, what's on paper here is not the experience that I've had or that any of our coworkers have had with this particular person for the past four years. And we had to jump through some extra hoops, but we were able to give him that job that he just never would have been qualified for, or he would have been disqualified for at any other company based on that stuff, because it was, it was really intense and really problematic. And, um, but he, he was reformed in a lot of ways. And so for me, that was the great initiative that I had uh, within my company. It wasn't necessarily formal. It started as a, a you know, survival method. Um, but we had such a great opportunity in our industry where we're not working in buildings. We're not working at secure locations. A lot of the time, people don't really care what our people look like. Right. So, um, you know, a lot of places have no, no visible tattoos, for instance, as a restriction, we don't have to have that by any means. Um, and so I think that we have an opportunity in our industry to employ a lot of people who would be considered unemployable elsewhere. Um, so that's the long answer to your question. No, we didn't have a lot of formal stuff, um, but that is one thing that I'm proud that we were able to do. Do you have you ever, um, Deanna? Have you ever heard anything like that before in other organizations, or like what are some other cool CSR initiatives that you've come across? I was going to say I really like this, um, especially in this particular industry, um, the right to try aspect i've never heard of that um i think that's a really cool program um any csr programs honestly I have, i'm trying to think of something that that's really unique or dynamic um what i found though is every company is going to have something different depending on what they plan to offer and who they're trying to reach so you know what works for neil's company might not work for your company Mm -hmm. um, you really have to be, you really have to figure out what you, what you want to offer the value proposition, like whether your audience be, whether it be for your employees as an audience, like I just want to give my employees something to do that connects them to the community. Or if you find a need in the community where you're thinking this can actually give us, in addition to giving our employees something to do, can give us some really good visibility within the community one of the things that I heard um, when I think about that school or the Veterans uh, Day Memorial example you gave, Miles, is when you have a situation where your company takes on a project and you're thinking about the ongoing maintenance of it and you realize, yeah, my company 
we can do this, we can, you know, kick it off, but who's going to maintain this ongoing CSR initiative? That might be an opportunity, one, to engage, of course, you know, communities to maintain it, or also even think about um, working in partnership with other landscaping or lawn care companies. So I've seen, I mean, I did that with organizations where you have people that kind of work in the same space, for instance, you know, there are several organizations who work on, you know, poverty issues, we'll just say around homelessness. And if one organization offers one part of the service and wants to do the full chain, it's not for you to necessarily figure out how to do the whole thing, but that's where your partnerships come into place. So if you identify a need in your community where it would be beneficial to have an ongoing service or an ongoing initiative, I would look to partner with other organizations uh, that do the same kind of work. And it doesn't have to be competitive. It might, it actually will boost um, the way that you work together in the industry. Yeah, that's, um, that's actually a pretty good point. Never really thought about that. Um, I'm trying to think how that play out in, in, in different markets. I'm sure like in bigger markets, that's actually more the case. Um, there's like a lot of local associations like here in DC. Um, there's the, uh, the LCA, which is uh, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. That's a really solid like a local association where people do get along and there's good partnerships. Um, I'm sure Texas, right? Dallas market, you guys probably have like a pretty good local association that you guys can like interact with Macy or do you guys not really deal with that? We don't do a ton of it here. Um, when we do stuff, it's more like food drive, like things outside of the element, the landscape element. We don't utilize our skills, I guess, when we have more community involvement, yeah. um, but there are, I mean, there's tons of city subsidiaries. And yeah. Y'all are pretty competitive in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun market. Um, well, that's cool. Uh, so, um, so Deanna, so tell me more about, um, uh, I don't know if you have any like good communication stories or, um, but tell me more about like what you're passionate about in your day to day and like what gets you, hopefully you have fun at your job. It seems like, I mean, you own your company, right? Is that, or I do. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, own my company, you know, I'm a consultant uh, so I basically work for a bunch of companies on different projects. Mm-hmm. So I guess the thing that excites me um, about what I do is just the variety um, of work that I get to participate in, um, just the creativity that comes with all of that. So when it comes to communications projects, I view it as an opportunity to really just brag Hopefully, I love, I love when we get to brag. I mean, there are other more difficult communications, but I love when we get to brag and tell a story, um, a story that's going to help people better connect with the mission and the vision of the organization. A lot of times, um, people don't realize how powerful storytelling is, how just with a simple example, which I've heard some really great stories here on this call, or uh, on this podcast about you know, how people are doing CSR within their organization, just hearing those examples are huge in helping to move people, you know, along in whatever their missions are. So being able to, you know, come in and talk to companies, talk to their employees, talk to leaders about what they're doing, and then translating that 
into a story that can be communicated in, you know, a range of platforms is probably the thing that I enjoy the most. Um, I also enjoy being able, when you speak to these different platforms, at the end of, you know, all of these communications, at the end of the year, when you've done all this great work, I love, love, love being able to put an impact report together. And that impact report, in addition to, you know, you're doing your financial statements, um, you're doing all this stuff, but to be able to compile all those great initiatives that demonstrate what you've done as a steward or as a partner in the community, I think it's truly dynamic, not only for you personally, but your customers, customers love it. Donors, I work with nonprofit organizations a lot. Donors love these. Um, pretty much any stakeholder that you have will appreciate knowing that you're doing something uh, that is good for the world. So that's probably, those are probably the things that I enjoy most about doing this type of work. So tell me more about the impact report, because that seems kind of interesting, actually. Um, and I'm just, I think I'm interested so, in it because like, I've been learning that, like, again, the communication piece, like part of like over communicating is like reporting up to people what's happened, because you assume that people know what you're doing, but they don't. So um, I think this is actually a lesson that like a lot of our listeners can take on. Um, especially as a young professional, because I think, and I'm, I'm just going to monologue here for a second, but like essentially as like a young professional, like you think that people are, um, they know what you're doing. They're, they're really focused on you. Um, but in reality, people are really focused on themselves and like what they're doing in their day to day. And it's up to you to inform for the most part, like, Hey, I'm working on this. This is the impact that I'm making. And, um, leadership really likes to see that stuff. So I'm really interested in what, like, you find is important in like these type of impact reports to your clients, but it's also might be like the same stuff that somebody internally can do like with their manager or with like their leadership team. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. So with an impact report, uh, it is still, it's partly telling that story, but it's also having some type of quantifiable metrics that go along with it. And when I say metrics, it can be as simple as, we did this volunteer event on this date. We had 40 participants or employees participate. Uh, we touched on average about 300 people in the community. And that's something that you can just kind of ballpark engage. Um, so the impact report really is about kind of telling that story but making sure that you have just some numbers. People, numbers are huge for people, even though you might, they might not always mean the same thing when you think about the percentages and the scale, but even having little numbers, you know, every year, say you start doing this program and every year you can track how the program is, is growing or, you know, maybe it's decreasing, which then will inform how you move forward with the program. But these impact reports, um, this is an official report of all those things you did throughout the year. But to your point, Miles, you can and you should be communicating on a regular basis to management initiatives that you're doing or any, anything that you're doing. But especially if we're talking about CSR, if you have an initiative that you want to do, communicating, you know, what this thing is about, what you hope to affect or impact, um, and then who you like to touch, like how many people you'd like to actually influence with this initiative. 
So, um, yeah, an impact report is simply that you're communicating your impact. And then hopefully, I think when you get a little more, when you get a little more sophisticated, sorry about that, um, you can start tying it into financial performance. How does this, and you really should be thinking about this already, but when you get more sophisticated, you can start tying in the dollar amount. So um, if you allow your employees to have, say, four hours of paid time off to volunteer, which a lot of organizations do, I really like those programs, um, you're able to quantify, you know, well, so our GM took their four hours, you know, that we paid for and they did XYZ program, you know how much their salary, you know how much their hourly rate is. So that is your company's investment in said program um, to a certain degree. I mean, you can quantify it. That's one way. Uh, one thing that I like to share in the impact reports is, yeah, this is how much salary we're allocating towards doing these great things. And it could be a range of things. So um, yeah. I think part part of it is about you communicating up periodically and consistently, but then also taking all those lessons and all those great initiatives and bringing it, you know, into one document, perhaps, you know, at some point in the year. I think that's such an awesome way to track it, because not all companies, especially if you're a really small company, can be like, okay, let's go donate $1,000 or, you know, we'll go donate a mower, you know, thousands, thousands of dollars of things that they can't afford to do. But it's like at the end of the year telling your employees, like, this is how much we gave back just from like your hours spent. Like, here's the dollar amount, even though it wasn't a physical check. This is how much we invested in this because your labor, your salary is already, the PTO is already there. Um, so that's a, it's a really awesome way, especially for a small business to quantify that. Neil, you seem to be like uh, deep in thought on this. I'm curious. I'm curious on what you're thinking. <laughs> no, I think it's, I think it's great stuff. And um, I, I just, again, I feel like it's um, not talked about enough, certainly not done enough and uh, doesn't have to be so difficult or seem so difficult. Right. Um, so even for the smallest of small businesses, like taking that step is just a no brainer. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and I think the, like, there's, there's a lot here. I mean, I have like lots of notes from this. Um, but really what it seems to me is, is, is being really clear, um, really being clear about like what the vision is and, and being specific about like what the, um, what you want to accomplish. Right. And so it's kind of like anything else, but you can apply the same framework to social responsibility. Um, and it's also, I think, just the idea of social responsibility is, um, and Deanna, you can like help and embellish on this, but like the idea of social responsibility is beneficial for, I think, for culture because it provides like team building opportunities outside of work. So in my experience, like when I volunteered with my coworkers, it's a totally different vibe. Like everyone's relaxed a little bit, you know, everyone's like chatting a little bit more. No one's like on the clock. No one's like the the vibe is different so then like the next week when you go back into work it's like it might not like hold because like the pressures might come back into gear and you might go back to old habits but there is like this moment of like um 
greater buy-in or like work becomes more fun because like you built up more of like a friendship or had the shared experience of giving versus um, doing like a paid service. It's, it's a totally different aspect. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Um, the point about culture, because I think that's something that um, that's an easy thing you can do with just creating the space. I said that earlier, let's create space for our employees to get involved. Um, and when I think about space, you know, it's really, it's, it's literally just offering people an opportunity to engage. And I know that, uh, I don't want to get all foo-foo, but I am kind of a foo-foo person. But when you open your heart to give or to be vulnerable, that's what you're speaking to, Miles, when you're saying, oh, the vibe changes. You're creating a space for employees to be vulnerable, to open themselves, to connect with people potentially who aren't as fortunate or who don't have the opportunities or to even give of themselves, you're creating a space for them to connect with people they work with every single day in a way that they wouldn't otherwise have. You're giving them that opportunity. So this, this CSR thing seems like, oh, it could, it could be a big program. It could be super fancy, fancy where you donate a, a million dollars here and a $500,000 there, or it can just, and, or it can also be a space where you just create that space for your employees to give of themselves and they're connecting with their communities. They're connecting with their coworkers. And ultimately what that'll do is better connect them to your mission, to the values of your organization. That ties into retention. That ties into everything that you want out of your employees and you're doing it, potentially you can do it in a way that doesn't even cost your organization any additional funds. Totally. And just a shout out, um, NALPs, uh, NALP has plenty of um, give back events. Uh, the main one that I'm, I'm a big fan of is Renewal Remembrance because I've been doing that for a while and uh, it's a lot of fun. That's like when we, every year, we come to Washington, D.C., give back at Arlington National Cemetery. We recently started a project with the National Park Service here in D.C., too. So um, it's a way to use your skills, give back. That's an easy win uh, to sign up for, like, some of those events. Um, there's also some other ones, too. Um, Y'all should be helping me out on this because I'm going to be. But uh, there's, um, there's also um, volunteer days, right? Um, I forget the official name, but. Tracy's going to yell at me for this, but by the way, NELP has plenty of opportunities, easy wins for our listeners to, yeah, uh, and to get on. In addition, uh, National Lawn Care Month, not necessarily a strictly NALP initiative, but um, a great opportunity to hop on to a lot of messaging. And um, I know that, uh, is it Green Care for the Troops? Is that what it's called? Um, is a great opportunity as well. So, yeah. Um, Either way, there's, there's lots of organizations in the green industry that do give back easy wins for your organization if you don't have the time to like come up with one on your own. So that could just be a good way to get started, I think. So, yeah. I also have like construction. Like, red small. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, just start small. Start somewhere. Um, 
And like Miles was saying, just kind of probably summarizing a lot of the points that were made earlier, you know, start small, develop your vision for what you, you want to impact, um, and then engage your people and see what they come up with. You might find some good ideas, some really low-hanging fruit, you know, that you didn't even recognize that you could do with little or, you know, just very little organization and, you know, start working. And I would say as you start, before you start working, just set some baselines, some key metrics, like how many programs are we doing so far? Okay, zero. Great. Uh, you know, how many programs do we want to do? Let's, let's aim for two this year. It can be really simple. Just start setting some goals, set your baseline so that you know that, you know, in 2022 or whatever the next year is, here's the progress we've made. Because what you have to do when you're telling these stories, it's important to have all of these numbers, but you need to be showing some progress. You need to be able to define for your stakeholders why we're doing this. Like, oh, we realized, you know, we started doing these volunteer activities twice a year in 2021. And what we found is that our employees are not leaving, you know, at this point in the year, we're able to retain them. We're finding that um, we got a whole, you know, heap of customers from this one community because of the positive publicity from that initiative. You know, you can start tying certain business objectives to, uh, to these numbers and to these initiatives. So just make sure you're tracking those really well. There you have it. I think it's a good spot to end. Um, unless if anyone else has anything to add or shout out. No? Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, let's roll into Rose and Thorn. Yeah, tough crowd here, Deanna. You know, I had to deal with this every single week. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, yeah, so Rose and Thorn. So Deanna, since uh, you're new, uh, we always do the segment on what's going well professionally or personally and what maybe is not going so well. It's not a requirement. Either or, if you have nothing going well, then you know we're here to we're here to embrace that. If everything's going well, then that's also a good thing. So, um, yeah, who wants to kick us off? My gosh, I'll start. Oh, no, don't all jump. Everyone's quiet. I can Jeez. I can oh my go. goodness! You're, you're <laughs> the one who's got get the... some coffee. I need like what's I need to send something. I don't know what's happening. Miles, I thought start... Luke was going for it. He leaned forward. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's everyone's like body talk. language. My gosh, I, they're my... gonna have a busy week edit, editing this. <laughs> no, Miles, you know, everyone has everyone has days. Miles, you taper, you taper for your first race, and you just have all this extra energy. You feel like I'm like going everybody else is in slow motion. You know? I really though. It, it does. <laughs> oh, um, so it's a uh, rainy, dreary day here today, which I would normally kind of complain about, but it's actually really good because I have had. Uh, a mountain of paperwork and things stacking up on my desk that I haven't been able to get done. So I'm able to get that done finally today and it's miserable outside. I don't want to be out there. Nobody wants to be out there. So uh, that's kind of a, a little bit of a rose. Uh, we have snow forecasted this weekend though, which is, it's nothing, it's nothing. It's not going to like, do anything. Not it's nothing that's going to do anything. It's just like, it's just yeah, another yeah. reminder that in a month, it's going to be sticking constantly. So, uh, and Thanksgiving's in a couple of weeks. I'm excited that's for always, the Snapchats. That's, that's always one of my favorite holidays every year. So that's coming up and all the fun that goes into that. 
I'm excited for the Snapchats, Luke. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see. Maybe I'll get you on this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll consider it. I already considered it. Okay, no, I'll let you have that win. All right, who's next? I'll go. So my rose is that budgets are finalized. They are approved. They have the official seal from Mike Bogan. We're good to go. We know the goals. So no more frantic. We got to change the budget. Um, so super excited about that. And then my thorn is I started weightlifting again and I had my first leg day yesterday and walking is hard today. It's, it hurts. So uh, that's my thorn. That's, that's fun. How was that meeting? How was that meeting with the. Great. It went perfect. Well, were you nervous? Perfect, how, but... did, how did how did you feel? Like what was without you don't have to share it all but i'm just kind of curious like not everyone gets to have like high level budget discussions like that so tell me i, I want to hear more about it it was so odd you think it's so much more formal than it's going to be because last year was my first one and it was over zoom so it's just weird anyways and uh there was like six of us in the room but it was just a conversation between me and mike just sat across from each other and ran through the goals, the numbers, and, you know, some people would pipe in here and there, but it's pretty much just him and I sitting and having a conversation about, you know, I had to paint the vision for next year. So it was, it was great. Sweet. Congrats. Good work. Thank you. <laughs> She's still here guys. She's made it. All right. <laughs> Didn't have a doubt. Um, I guess I'll go. Um, so, uh, a rose is, uh, I'm actually really appreciating the weather. It's kind of a cop out, but it's really beautiful here in DC. It's, it's awesome. A thorn is like Neil reference is this taper um, for this half marathon this weekend. And it's like, I went like running from like 30 miles a week, which is, which was like good for me. Um, but then like now, like I've like tapered to like a cut in half. And like now I've like really haven't done all that much. It's just been more like warm up stuff all week. So like I'm antsy. I'm like feeling mentally just like not balanced <laughs> because running is, is like that spot, like where everything gets released. So like when you take that away, it's just like, I'm going nuts. So that's where I'm at. You're almost there. Yeah. Almost there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been feeling just a little, um, I guess, I guess what other people would describe as seasonal affective disorder, right. With the time change and the colder weather, I've recognized it's actually just baseball withdrawals though. So uh, my, my rose is I'm all in. I got my streaming platform set up for the Japanese uh, climax series and the Korean final series. No I'm, I'm pulling for the yeah, Colt Sparrows out of Tokyo and uh, KT Wiz over in the KBO. So this will buy me until Thanksgiving and then it's holidays and I think I'll be fine. So <laughs> I like really only you though. <laughs> yeah, man, it's hard yeah. to have this much dedication for something so great. I get it. Yeah. And it's also like, yeah, the ability of like, and yeah, I just appreciate your ability of not caring. So how, how many days until uh, pitchers and catchers, Neil? <laughs> well, okay. Now you, again, Luke, you are always the one who gets me in trouble and brings up bad news. It's we're going into collective bargaining. So there's going to be a, a labor strike and uh, I won't, I'll refer you to uh, my wait list for my baseball podcast to explain why, but it's going to be problematic. And uh, I think we're going to see a delay of baseball in the U S. Well, there you have it, folks. Place your bets. 
not on here. We're not a gambling platform. Anyways, so Deanna, what's up? So my rose is um, part of one of the things that I do is project management. So my rose is I had a really big project uh, that I've been working on and I've been able to recruit some consultants to help with the work. And we've organized it all, everything is going fantastic. So I feel very confident that we can get this project done on time and on schedule. Uh, the thorn is related to it is now um, I punted the ball to them. And now they have come back to me for this whole page of requests for information. So I don't know if anybody's had that experience is great working with consultants because they can do some work for you, but there's still a lot of, there's a heavy lift on your side too. So right now um, I have about what a week or two before Thanksgiving, I don't even know, but I really would like to turn this around, all this request for information back to them within the next, or well, before Thanksgiving. So whenever that is, that's my thorn in my road. This sounds like fun. All, uh, yeah. all part of the job, right? But yeah, and sorry, empathize with you. That's not something that you really want before. Uh... But anyways, it'll be fine. Yeah, all in all. Okay, cool. So uh, great having you on, Deanna. We appreciate um, the conversation. Uh, and uh, thank you to our listeners as well. Feel free to share, review, um, subscribe, share with your coworkers, colleagues, friends, anybody who wants to listen to our podcast that you can take that. Uh, we'll find value from it. So everyone, I hope you have a great rest of your days. Maybe get some naps in, um, get re-energized. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send some coffee to each, each of you for Christmas now. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll work from there. So have a good one. See ya. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.